I used to have a book, the title of which was What's in a Name? I bought it at school at one of those scholastic book sales. I think they still have those. But when I was in school, they'd give us this two-page catalog that listed some different books that we could purchase. I think they were about 50 cents a piece, which I could afford that. And So I would buy a couple of books, usually whatever comic book was on sale. But my mom would make me buy an educational book along with what I was buying. And on this particular time, I bought a book that explained the different meanings of names and how they had developed through the years. I, it was called What's in a Name? At least I think that's what it was called. I've long since lost that particular book, so What's in a Name became, where did I put that? Names have always been important. It's said that there is no sweeter sound in any person's ears than the sound of their own name. Uh, that's true for me, except for my full name. When my full name is used, it means I'm either in trouble or owe somebody some money. So I don't always like to hear my full name, but I understand what they're talking about, that, that your name is music to your ears. Well, in the Old Testament, that was true. People were named in significant ways. Now, sometimes they were just named with names that people thought sound Nice, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. We still do that today. Sometimes they were carrying on a family tradition, and we still do that as well. We will name someone after someone that we think is significant in our family. But oftentimes in the biblical days, names had a significant meaning. And that is nowhere more evident than in this passage we're going to read this morning as Isaiah looks forward to the coming Messiah. And he describes the Messiah through a series of very significant names. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Folks, that's a name you want to remember. Only Jesus fulfills this prophecy. Only his name fits the bill. Hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah was given a profound prophecy about the identity of the Messiah. This would be someone like no one else. The government would be upon his shoulders. That's a reference to his all-encompassing authority. And the reason is found in his names. Wonderful Counselor. Now, sometimes that's taken as two names, but most scholars think that's a single title following the pattern of the names that follow. That word, wonderful, describes someone who is supernatural, someone who is above our world, someone who is more than we are. It's a description of a king, but it's much more than that. Counselor describes someone 
who is wise. Someone who alone has the words of life. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. This title combines military language with the traditional title for God. God is often described in these kinds of terms as the ultimate mighty warrior, his strength exceeding all others. The name ascribes authority even over their enemies. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. He is the forever Father, constantly caring for His children. Now that's somewhat of a unique name to give to a child. And yet the name identifies the Messiah as the author and provider of all life. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. The word for prince, as it does today, it can denote royalty. But it also, in the biblical days, could denote a military leader. It's often used in the scripture as a reference to God. Peace describes health, safety, completeness, fulfillment, righteousness. All those things are present in the one true God And here the Messiah is identified as that, as the one true God, the one who would bring peace in all its fullest meaning, the Prince of Peace. And these names, these names are fulfilled in one and one only. These names can be held only by Jesus. They have these new kiosks, you know, the little machines that stores will have. Sometimes they're at the door and sometimes they're by the cash registers. But this particular one, it will make a copy of your key while you wait. You just insert your key and swipe your credit card and in a couple of minutes out pops a perfect copy of your key. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. Now, if it's not a perfect copy of your key, you'll know really quickly. Because when you get home and put it into the door, it won't work. All those little hills and valleys on the end of the key They have to be exactly right or it's not going to turn the lock. A a key can't be a partial copy. It has to be an exact copy in order to work. The Messiah has to fulfill every prophecy given in the Old Testament. You can't have a partial Messiah. A partial Messiah is no Messiah at all. And Jesus, only Jesus, fulfills all of the Old Testament prophecies. The scripture warns us that false messiahs will appear through the years. They're really easy to spot. 
They don't fit. Somewhere along the line, they won't fulfill the prophecies that are given about the Messiah. And most likely, you won't have to go any farther than this Messiah found, this prophecy found about the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 9. They won't be wonderful counselor. They won't be mighty God. They won't be everlasting Father. They won't be the Prince of Peace. Only Jesus and Jesus alone fills that reality. There is no other. Don't be fooled. A false Messiah will reveal themselves very quickly. They'll fall short. Only Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's why we can claim there is power in the name of Jesus. The names that are giving and their meanings are amazing enough within this prophecy, but the result of those names is even more amazing. Isaiah gives the names, and then in verse 7, he describes the result of those names. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's one thing to have a title in your life. It's something else to have that title forever. Do any of you this morning remember all the names of the kings of England? Or we'll get more biblical. Do any of you or could any of you recite all of the names of the kings of Israel. How about the names of the kings of anywhere? Well, kings come and kings go. Some are really, really wonderful kings. Some are not so great. Most of them are somewhere in between. Some are very, very memorable. Some of them history has long since forgotten. Peace comes sometimes in some areas, but then it's fleeting. It will suddenly leave. Not Jesus. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. His authority will never decrease. His dominion will never wane. His peace will never end. And the guarantee, nothing less than the Lord Almighty Himself. He will accomplish this. And there is nothing like Him. I learned early in life not to believe the names of candy. Good and plenty was never enough. Gum that promised long-lasting flavor didn't last any longer than the gums that didn't promise that. Now and later was never around when I needed it. And neither payday nor millionaires ever gave me a dime. On a good note, as far as I know, Boston baked beans are not a vegetable. 
and jawbreakers don't. Sometimes names can be misleading. In the case of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, they point directly and only to one person. They point to Jesus. No one else is wonderful counselor. No one else is mighty God. No one else is everlasting Father. No one else is the Prince of Peace. No one can make the claim that the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Only Jesus can make that claim. No other claim is guaranteed by nothing less than the Lord Almighty Himself. So what does that mean for us? I I dare say the vast majority of us in this room would agree with with everything that, that the prophet has said, everything that Isaiah has said, that Jesus is all of these things. But what does that mean for us? Well, first, it means that we can be absolutely sure that we are following the one and only Savior. No other one fits this claim. They all fall short. Only Jesus and Jesus alone. This morning when we praise His name, when we lift Him up, when we glorify Christ, we can do that with confidence, recognizing that He truly is who He claimed to be. He proved it, that He is. Savior and Lord. We can be absolutely, we follow the one and only Savior. Second, we can avoid the pitfalls of those who would claim to be Christ but are not. They're easy to spot. Compare their claims to the prophecy of Scripture. And at some point, they're going to fall short. Only Jesus fulfills them all. So we can avoid all others. We can know that he, and alone, he alone is the Christ. Third, we can live confidently in faith. We don't have to wonder, is following Christ really worth it? He has kept every promise, every claim. He has fulfilled Every word of the Scripture, every one, and the promise that He has made when we receive Him as Lord and Savior, that our eternity is secure in His hands, we can live confidently knowing He will fulfill that promise also. We can live confident lives of faith. And finally, we can worship Him with confidence. What we do today is to proclaim the one and only Savior and Lord. And so we can, with abandon, lift our praise to Him. We can worship Him with all of our lives, with our voice, with our deeds, with everything that we are. We can give praise to Him and to Him alone, because we know that He alone is Lord, we can worship with confidence.
we can know that we follow the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And of His government and peace, there will be no end. We praise the name of Jesus. But we know there are those who need to hear that name. Who need to know that He and He alone is Lord. And this passage can help us do that. We've been talking about ways that we can take our next step in in worshiping uh, the Lord. Uh, Here's one for you today. As I mentioned earlier, everybody loves their name. They like to hear their name. They like to know that somebody knows their name. So here's something you can do. Uh, If you have a child or a grandchild in school, get to know their their teacher's name. And get to know some of their their fellow teachers as well. And then, then one day just bring a basket uh, maybe you can get some of those candy bars, a few paydays, a few millionaires, you know, and we'll throw a little candy in there. On each little candy, put a, put a name tag on there with the teacher's name and just a little note of thanks. Thanks for what you do. Appreciate all that you do in teaching my child. And then in that basket, you could even put a, a little invitation to, to the ministry of our church and just say, National Heights is praying for you. Just leave that there for the teachers. People love their name. And knowing that you know their name can be that which will point them to the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, help us recognize there's power in the name of Jesus. (laughs) That Jesus and Jesus alone fulfills the prophecies that are there clearly in your word. There's no one else that even comes close. And so help us to worship with confidence, to live lives of confident faith. Because we can know without any shadow of a doubt that we worship the one true Lord and Savior. And God, we would seek to do that even now. To lift your name high that all the world might know that Jesus Christ is Lord. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.